And I'm Dan, and this is Just On Our Way. We are traveling full-time across Canada and the United States with our uh, one-year-old baby, Caden, and our little dog, Rory. And today we are just on our way to Devil's Elbow, a uh, single overnight recreation site that we found uh, connecting us between Glacier National Park and Idaho Falls. So we just spent the last six nights at the KOA at St. Mary's, which is just outside of Glacier National Park. And I think we got really lucky. It was one of the few campgrounds that was open for the season. We wanted to find a campground that had pole hookups since we were there for the week. And when we checked into the KOA, we actually learned that it was the last week that they're open for the season. So we are super happy that we came. Like literally the last week, like the day that we left today, Saturday, as we drive away, the staff is closing up shop and everybody's heading out. <laughs> yeah, it was a quiet, quiet town. And as we're driving, we are looking at snow. We talked a lot about we do not want to encounter snow in our travels. Um, we don't want to be driving mountain passes in snow. We don't want to be hauling the trailer in snow. And so this is a bit of a surprise. Now we could we could drive in snow. We have we don't want to drive in snow. The truck that's <laughs> capable of it. We're happy to have a Lance that you know is a, is fairly capable in even colder temperatures. But we would like to avoid driving in the snow if we can. We would. Yeah. And it's super it's super beautiful outside. You know, there's snow on the pine trees and you can see more snow at the top of the mountains gradually decreasing as it goes down. But I think we're both pretty happy that we're, we're leaving today because who knows what next week would bring. Yeah, every day the last couple of days, we've seen the snow line on the mountains around us just creep lower and lower. And then here we are driving through. It looks like, kind of looks like Christmas, but it looks like the holidays all of a sudden. It, it does. And it's very weird to contrast back home. My, you know, my friends are messaging me saying they're going to the beach. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. so it's a bit of a surprise, but I'm just so happy. Like, can you imagine if we had gone to Banff for the past week and then we were arriving here and we were staying a week, like starting today. Yeah, I don't know what we would do. I like, I just do not know what we would do. All of the campgrounds are closed. The snow is coming down. The weather's getting worse. And if we were just starting our trip south from Banff right now, I don't know, chains on our tires? I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe chains on our tires. We definitely probably would have just like kept driving. There was just something in my gut telling me we need to skip Banff and go south. And we made this decision. Well, Preeti really urged us to make the decision the night before. Just had this feeling that, yeah, we got to go south. And we weren't even ready to cross the border the next day. Like in my head, I was thinking we have a week more in Canada. You know, we can get organized. We can make sure the fridge is in order and we have the right vegetables and stuff that they'll allow us to take and we'll have time to research what they might ask us given that we're going to be in the U.S. for five or six months and you're working and just all those complexities of this being different than just taking a short vacation down to the States. Yeah, and there isn't actually a lot you have to prepare to travel down into the United States, but because it felt so sudden to us, we felt really anxious after making that decision and that night we started just 
trying to play out in our heads. Okay, what's going to happen next? Trying to role play. What are they going to ask at the border? and make sure that we had all of our ducks in a row and we were going to have a successful border crossing. And I can't believe how much we stressed over it in hindsight, given what the actual experience was like, because so we chose a border crossing, Pygan Pass, and we were looking online to figure out what the wait times might be. And there is no information on the U.S. border website for this crossing. There's no information on the Canadian side of the border, the Canadian border crossing. So... It's Highway 89, one of the smaller border crossings. And there was nobody even traveling our direction on the highway. That's how quiet it was. There was no one there. And I think the only reason we decided to go for it and not drive even further um, west before or east before crossing was that there was like a Google review four weeks earlier where someone had successfully crossed the border. And so we're like, okay, it's probably still open. Let's just go for it. Yeah. But we definitely thought it was like a coin flip, whether or not we were actually, this border was even going to be open based on the time of season. And the fact that there were no other cars going this direction. We were the only people at the border crossing, which I think has only ever happened one other time in our, our lives when we were traveling in an RV up, uh, between Yukon and Alaska. Yeah, that was the, I thought that would be the quietest border crossing of our lives. And this one was similar. It was, yeah, it was, it was bigger. Like that one was literally like one road lane. This one, we had to make a decision, you know, are we a car? Or are we a truck? And we're like, we're not a truck, but that lane looks much bigger than the car lane, which is, you know, I think there is maybe a foot on either side of us on the clearance. And who knows even how much room we had above us for the bar. Yeah, something that you don't really consider when you're driving and you're towing a trailer is what are you? You see signs on the road that say, this is a truck route. Trucks aren't allowed in this direction. Trucks should take this route through the city. You know, at a border crossing, trucks go to this lane. And you never really know if you're a truck or not. Do you yeah. count as a truck? Is it because you know. can't fit? <laughs> or is it because you're just not welcome in that lane? Or I don't know. But the, the guard there was super friendly, waved us over because we, you know, he could tell we didn't know which lane to go know what to. to do. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he asked us some, some pretty standard questions. Um, obvious standard question of where are you going, which we explained the way of the KOA. Then naturally, how long are you going for? And when we said five months, he definitely paused and he had to sort of like work through a new line of questioning. Um, one yeah. of the things he asked us was, how much cash do you have on you? And we don't travel with a lot of cash on us. So I said $130. And then he looked at me again and said, well, how much money do you have in your bank account? And because we'd, we'd sold our home, you know, to do this trip. Yeah, I told him I told him the amount of money and he looks at us and says, oh, yeah, that'll do you for five months. But as we were driving away from the border, he's like, we're not spending that money. No, we are not. That is our house testing money. <laughs> but it worked for the border crossing. It did. Um, then he asked us. I think he asked a little bit about whether you were going to be working or not, which is a natural question to ask. Yes, I I. I told him I work remotely for a Canadian software company, which I do. And um, he confirmed whether or not I'd be doing any work for any U.S. companies, which I'm not. And, and that was that. Yeah. Piece. Um, and then he asked us, do you have any produce with you? Dan, do you know what produce is? Well, I mean, when he said produce, I just started to rhyme off every kind of food I could think of that <laughs> we had. Uh, thankfully, Preeti chimed in. If we have milk. Well, no, he wanted to know if we had citrus and tomatoes and things like that. And so 
um, yeah, I, I said, we do have some of those things. And he was like, okay, well, like, can you get them? And I was like, right, like right now, do you want me to just like go in the trailer? He's like, yeah, because there's no one else at this crossing. Yeah, he looks behind us and he's like, he's like, well, you could pull over or he's like, okay, go ahead because there's no one else around. Yeah, so I just quickly hopped back, hopped in the trailer, grabbed some stuff out of the fridge, hand them over to him. I wonder, I mean, I hope they keep them and use them. Maybe they just throw them out. But yeah. it is, they, met, they explained, he was really nice. He explained why he was taking it. And it's a, it's a fruit fly risk. Um, you don't want to bring that across the border. So that was fine. They don't seem to care about the three really pesky large house flies that we can't get out of our trailer. Or Herman is still with oh, us. Oh, yeah. The spider that travels with us in our rearview mirror or in All our side. Away from Southern Ontario. I don't know if he's still there. Oh, man, it's been really rain. windy. Yeah. Um, but that that border crossing was great. You know, we had, you know, with Rory's paperwork, we had a rabies vaccine certificate. We had a lot. It also Caden started crying. Um, but we were in and out in five minutes. And I think I budgeted, you know, what if we get stuck there for over an hour? You know, it, we don't want to be driving too much after that. But yeah, I mean, we've got the the Aloe Cab camper on the back of the truck, which isn't the most inviting looking thing in the world. And uh, it's just like black metal box. And we've, we're towing this trailer. And of course, we expected that there'd be some sort of a surge. Yeah. Um, but it was such a great experience. And I think it really, it's so nice when that happens. And it really sets the tone for your entry into a country. It was. I think we definitely did not need to overthink it. Don't lie. Be honest. Uh, and yeah, I think we really stressed a lot over nothing. So yeah, we got to the KOA in pretty good time. And it was in a beautiful spot. You basically, you know, at the base of the mountain, everywhere around you are these just beautiful, giant mountains. We were told that there was a grizzly bear in the park just a couple of days ago. So we picked up some bear spray um, to stay safe. And it was pretty quiet. I think there were a few other campers there, but there were definitely a lot of empty sites around us. So, so the KOA is in this valley surrounded by mountains. And that definitely created some interesting and unexpected weather patterns. So on the one hand, sure, it was very beautiful in the morning and the evening, seeing sunrise and sunset. But as Mother Nature decided that it was going to be winter soon, the winds picked up and they did not let up. And it, it, would... was, it was windier than the prairies. And I think that was surprising to me. <laughs> like 30, 40 miles per hour gusts and these huge menacing clouds that just appear over the mountains, disperse as they travel over us, but just linger there. Throw down a bunch of rain and then move on. Yeah. So the wind was so persistent that uh, it actually knocked the Starlink right off of our roof. I was on a Zoom call and suddenly the screen goes, is black. And I, for a moment, I wonder, maybe it's their connection. Maybe it's, maybe it's not, maybe it's not mine. Maybe it's just a temporary outage. But I jump out of the Alu cab, head around the back of the trailer, and I see our Starlink, our poor Starlink, faced out in the gravel. And it has been thrown entirely off the roof. And um, there it lay with a crack in the back of the dish. And then we look up across the road and we see our neighbor, Starling, carefully mounted to a nice low pedestal, bolted, and it's sitting on the ground, nice and safe. 
And to add insult to injury, those neighbors, I look up and they were actually just sitting in the front seats of their motorhome watching the storm. And in fact, had probably been watching my Starlink fall off of the roof and me run out after it in the rain and the look on my face as soon as I see it in the gravel. I definitely, yeah, I think we were their entertainment for the afternoon. But, you know, I was, I told Dan, I was like, you know what? Just plug it back in, put some gorilla tape on it, and I'm sure it'll work. And he's like showing me, <laughs> rattling it. There's things moving around inside. But sure enough, a little gorilla tape and it's still working. And I guess we do see people on YouTube, they, they cut up that dish a fair bit. And now I, I believe you don't even need half the parts that are in there, actually. It's probably true, but we are still going to get a replacement Starlink. Um, we'll have to figure out how to get that shipped to us on the road. But we do rely on that pretty heavily for, for internet. But the weather was interesting because the weather apps don't know how to give the right weather in that area. And so one thing that we like to do a lot when we travel to places is turn on the radio and get the local news. And I have to say, I haven't listened to the radio in years. I mean, why listen to the radio when you get your traffic report in real time on Google Maps, you get your music on Spotify. So most of us probably don't listen to the radio anymore. But it's been really fun finding the local AM or FM radio station. And I think definitely like this one was by far my favorite radio station. You have these radio hosts on every morning. And one of the things that they do is the sheriff's report. And the first time we heard it, you know, it was on Monday and you hear one of the sheriffs and they're actually telling you all the calls that happened that weekend, you know, what each of them was, how many people are in their jail and how many have they released. Basically just recounting their entire day, step by step, call by call, incident by incident, and which took us kind of by surprise that first morning. Suddenly we just hear this, someone rattling off this long list of relatively, I don't know, mediocre crime crimes. Like they not, call them that not even crimes. It sort of reminds you all the things a sheriff has to do in their day. Like one of them reported that they, you know, they walked a child to school because a child needed somebody to walk to school, I guess. And uh, and then the next morning it happened again. And then we just had to listen to it every single morning. <laughs> and not just one sheriff, but there's like three or four sheriffs yeah, in the they area. Take, they take turns. Yeah. yeah. They take turns telling you everything they did yesterday. Yeah. And then after the sheriff update, you get the classifieds. So they actually, people call in and say what they're selling. Um, and then the radio DJ kind of read through all of them. And he was trying to promote his own shingles he was selling. And his wood oh, and that he his was wood, selling. Yeah. <laughs> it was like this was the radio host platform to sell, to, to run his own miniature garage sale throughout the fall yeah, on his radio show. I think someone called to buy something, but he forgot to get the information from them. So then he had to like say on the radio show, like, if you had just called about the shingles, please call back. This is how, this is the most local radio station we've ever heard. But I think that is just such a great tip for travelers. Just tune into the local radio station. You never know what you're going to learn. Maybe there's a local rodeo. Maybe there's just a way that you can kind of dial into the atmosphere to local culture in this whole new way. And it's something that we always do now when we, when we set up. And that became kind of a big source of entertainment for us because there wasn't a lot to do in the area. Like when I say there's not a lot to do in the area, there's not a lot to do in the area other than hiking, which is a, sometimes difficult to do when you're traveling with your 13-month-old baby. 
So that was entertaining. I think the nearest town, you know, at one point we did lose some of our produce over the border. So we were looking to see if there's a grocery store. And the closest grocery store was, I think, like just over 30 minutes away, one way. Um, So we did check out the neighboring town. And, you know, the first time we went to the store, we were able to get some peppers and an onion, just enough to make a dinner. Um, And then the next time we asked the staff at the KOA if they had a recommendation, they said there's a farmer's market on Wednesday, which was the day we asked them. So we headed over there. And sure enough, there was a truck parked outside with a bunch of fresh produce sitting on a table. And we learned that these farmers drive around all day and they bring their fresh produce to the local resorts and and restaurants. And then they set up for a couple hours on the side of the road. And they're from a colony called a Hooterite colony. And we learned a little bit about the Hooterites. One thing that was explained to me was that if you're married, you have a beard. And if you're not, you don't have a beard. They grow all of their own produce. So we were able to pick up some onions, a broccoli. I've never been so excited to see produce in my life. Um, and so we stocked up. They had a whole container of raspberries. And then I look over and another couple is walking towards us and she's holding bananas. We're like, where did those bananas come from? But for like, for real, because, you know, the Hooterites, we knew that they grew, like, they grew everything that they have. So they're not selling bananas. And we were just so excited. So we paid for our stuff. And we went back in the general store that was used the other day. And, you know, that time all they had was peppers and onions. That this time they had bananas and oranges. So we asked about the bananas and the store owner said, yeah, they've been quite popular today. And after we bought uh, some bananas, the next person came in and bought bananas as well. As if the word really had gotten around. I think the next three people at that store left with bananas. Everyone had bananas. And this must... Just be what it's like in a small town, right? When you grow up in a city, you live this life of abundance. There's always bananas at your local grocer. But it's kind of special when it's not always in abundance. When sometimes there's just a special moment when there's a basket of bananas and everybody gets a special treat that day. You go bananas. You go bananas <laughs> to get bananas. Okay, so enough of the produce. Let's talk about Glacier National Park. So I mentioned before I had been to Glacier National Park previously. And I guess I don't have a great memory. I know it was beautiful. I remember the drive just being breathtaking. And, you know, Kate and I, I packed him up. We decided to head out before his first nap so we can get about an hour's drive into the park and get to a trailhead. And as I'm driving into the park, I remember just calling Dan being like, oh my gosh, like this is just the most beautiful scenery. And, you know, I can't even describe it, but um, shortly after that, I lost reception. So Kate and I just continued on. Yeah, when we, I received that phone call, oh, yeah. my first response was like, what's wrong? Are you okay? Yes. And meanwhile, Preeti just says, yeah, this is this is amazing. And I just warmed my heart for the whole day. It, yeah. I just love that you called me and said that. We drove from the St. Mary's entrance and we passed the Logan Visitor Center. And I, I know how busy the park can get. Um, You hear about, you know, you have to get reservations to actually drive the road. You don't need that this time of season. But I think in my head, I thought it would be less busy purely because the town was empty. The highways in the around the town were empty. But you do enter the park and that's where all the vehicles are. And so, you know, we couldn't get parking at the visitor center. So we kept going, which is okay because Caden was napping. And so 
you know, sometimes I'd pull off on some of the uh, lookouts and grab a quick photo. And the drive is, it's technical drive. It's especially harder when you're driving a three-quarter ton truck that basically takes up the entire lane. So on one side, you basically have a sheer um, cliff of the mountain going up. The other side, you have basically a whole cliff going down. And you're doing your best to stay in your lane so that the oncoming traffic doesn't clip your ears. And that was the going to the sun That's road. called the going to the sun road. And so we, Kate and I, did that drive out. We got all the way to the trailhead. Um, this is a trailhead that is wheelchair accessible. So I felt pretty confident that we could take the stroller on it. And, you know, I thought we would just park there and hop out and start hiking the trail. And sure enough, every single spot was full. And so... We drove a little further on. There was a campground there and I turned around and I still couldn't find parking. And I saw some other people with large vehicles like ours trying to reverse in. And I kind of felt glad that wasn't me. So unfortunately, we did not get to do the hike. Um, ended up turning around also because there aren't a lot of places to turn on that road that are safe. So we had we headed back, stopped a bit for a milk break and looked at the river. And on our way back, though, we did see a grizzly bear. And of course, you know, there's several cars pulled over and parked and they're looking at something. So sure enough, I looked over as well. And there's this beautiful bear just climbing back up the mountain. And so I finally saw my first bear on our journey. A grizzly bear, we believe. It was a grizzly bear. So then we decided to drive back to the campground. And I was just excited because I thought, this is okay. We'll do this drive at least one or two more times because Dan has actually never been here before. And so it's fine. Like, we'll just come back. But the next day came the wind. And that was, yeah, and the rain. And And that's okay, because we were like, it's only Tuesday. We still have Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Yep, so Wednesday. Wednesday was also wind and rain. And clouds. And a lot of clouds. Thursday was more wind and rain and clouds. So we were like, we have to try. Like, we got in the truck. I was driving so Dan could experience it. Drove it to the park gates, kept going down the road. And I was just like, Dan, I'm like, here should be this beautiful mountain. And here should be this beautiful lake. And he can't see anything. <laughs> yeah, the cloud cover is so low. And so we ended up turning around and going back home. And we were like, that's okay. Like, we have another chance to do this. And no problem. Yeah, so it's okay. Sure enough, they closed the roads. The winter conditions had hit the mountain roads. And and now that we've been driving in the snow and we we understand what they mean by uh, the winter conditions coming early into the mountain range. So Dan couldn't go. And we just, I I think I was more upset that you didn't get to experience it than you probably were. Yeah, I think because you you saw how beautiful everything was, how spectacular that drive was on what was actually the, like, what seems like, the last sunny blue sky day Montana is going to have for a long time. I know. I and can't believe it. You were so fortunate. But then with the weather and then the road closure, that yeah. was that. I wasn't going into Glacier National Park. Nope, nature had decided that uh, it will remain a mystery to Dan until the next time we're back in this area. But that circumstance with the weather conditions and the road being closed, along with... No, not getting out to Glacier National Park because I was working full time has been an adjustment that we've had to make 
in living full-time on the road. And it's something that we'd love to dig into more today because when people ask us, what is it like? Is it what you expected? Honestly, a lot of living full-time on the road is what we expected. We had spent a year preparing for this lifestyle. We've spoken to other families who live full-time on the road. We did all kinds of other preparations we'll get into in a future episode. But as a result of that, we had prepared and visualized a lot of what this was going to be like. But you cannot prepare for everything. And what you really can't prepare for is the experience itself and how it's going to make you feel. And when you set out living on the road and you, you start traveling like this, everything around you and everything in your mind is shouting, you're on vacation. And it, it's weird, right? Because you're working full time. I'm parenting full time. So I'm not, you know, on my nine to five Zoom call Slack kind of day. Mine feels a little more akin to I'm not working, but I'm also not on vacation. And as a result, each of us have had to go through this adjustment period in the first couple of weeks that we started traveling. For me, one of those adjustments was realizing that we cannot see and do everything that we want to see and do as we're traveling. And for the first couple of weeks, I really felt this frustration and disappointment because you would be traveling by these beautiful places or lookouts or, or points of interest and historic monuments, and you would want to stop. In fact, everything told you you should stop because, look, you're traveling with your family. You've got your camper, you're towing your trailer. This is what you do, right? This is what you'd normally be doing. But you can't because when you're living on the road, your priorities become work and cleaning and groceries and cooking and laundry. laundry. And, and also, you also have to be fair. Like, we have to be really fair to Caden in this experience, too, because, you know, where previously we would just pull over and stop every 10 minutes, that is a very frustrating experience when you're trying to have a nap. And so there are times where we can't pull over and stop because it would wake him up from a nap. And it's not like, you know, it's one weekend that we're doing this. This is our life. Exactly. So you really have to reset these expectations, which I don't think you can prepare for. But I forced myself to really remember that we, this is how we live, which means we have different priorities. And once you can settle back into that mindset, you learn to focus on all the things that you do get to experience that you otherwise wouldn't have if you weren't living on the road instead of focusing on what you're missing out on. And it's kind of the climax of that was with Glacier National Park. The fact that I was living right next to Glacier, three minutes away for a week, and I never got to go down that going to the Sun Road. Yeah. And I could choose to be very, very sad and disappointed about that. But instead, I'm so grateful and thankful that I got to wake up every morning to the sunrise as I'm walking Rory and every evening to the sunset and the mountains and the fresh air and the beauty of that environment that I wouldn't have gotten to experience otherwise. And that's part of, I think, when you're working full time, when you're living on the road, how you just have to reset your expectations and, and refocus what kind of brings you joy in that lifestyle. Yeah, totally. And I think that with having spent a full week in Glacier National Park, having spent the full week prior um, in Okotoks, which is south of Calgary, that has made this whole experience, like we feel that it's gotten better 
at the beginning, we were rushing. Like Stan mentioned, like we were driving every couple of days. Uh, we were only staying at places one, two, maybe four days. And sometimes you feel like you've been missing out even more then because you're just going so fast through all these places. And so even staying a week or even if we stay two weeks, we probably still won't get to do everything that we might have done if we had just booked a two-week vacation to that destination. But it's just still such a completely different way to live and the experiences you get are very different than what we would have had had we stayed at home and, you know, done things in our local neighborhood. And this was actually the first time where we have stayed for a full week. In the last four to five weeks of full-time travel, St. Mary, Montana was the first full week. And that definitely felt much better. In fact, like today, I felt ready to pack up and get in the truck again for another drive day. Whereas in the past, it just was too fast. Yeah. And I think for me, it's like, it's a bit of a mix. It's mixed feelings. One is, you know, because I'm not doing my traditional work, I'm on mat leave right now. I do feel a little bit like I'm on vacation. Um, not that staying at home parenting at 13 month old feels like vacation, but it does feel like every day I should be showing Caden and myself as much as I can. And so, you know, I should go to this museum, I show this attraction, I show this library, I show this playground, I should do this drive into Bush National Park, you know, four or five times. I'm right here. Why not? And that is an overwhelming feeling. And I think for a while, like I just, you know, if you're not living this lifestyle, we're living in a house, I wouldn't do something every single day. There would be days where we would stay home and that would be fine. That would be what a normal day is kind of like, mostly staying home or going for a walk around the neighborhood. Yeah. And like you'd plan an activity here and there. But when you're planning an activity, when you're traveling full time, you know, I'm learning new cities, new roads, new directions. I don't exactly know what the experience we're going to is going to be like, um, if it's going to be toddler friendly or not. And so all of that is a lot to take on. And I remember on the Monday when I actually drove into Bishop National Park, I didn't want to go. And I just wanted to sit and do nothing for a day. And I was like, you know, I'm going to do this. Like, it's fine. And, and I'm so happy that I had done it because in hindsight, the next four days, I basically just had, <laughs> we just hung out around the campground a lot because there wasn't much else to do. But it's, it's been hard to kind of balance that feeling. So I guess there's two sides of it. On one hand, you have, have the courage and the curiosity to go out and try something new, even though you don't know what it's going to be like. But on the other hand, give yourself the grace to just spend a day at the campground because that's what we would be doing at home anyway. Yeah, like you need a down day, you need a day to kind of regroup and, you know, get things tidied up in the trailer, just reset. So I think, I think actually staying somewhere for a week is better or two weeks because then I can pick out the things that Kate and I will do throughout the week. We'll we'll do those, but we'll have down days. Whereas when we're staying somewhere only for two or four days, you feel really bad if you're not experiencing what that city or that place has to offer. Right. It's also hard because as Kate and I are going out and experiencing all these new places and seeing all these new things. And for a lot of it, it's Kate's first time doing a lot of these things. You know, I really want Dan to be there um, with us and experiencing it all together. But with the lifestyle we're living, he can't. He's working. And I would love to be there. I remember when you and Caden went to the Aviation Museum in Winnipeg, and I know how much he loves airplanes, and I would have loved to have been there for the first time he saw these enormous airplanes in that Aviation Museum. 
But again, that's one of those things where I just have to recognize this is part of the lifestyle we've chosen. And also, if we were at home, I'd also be working. If we were in a brick and mortar house, I'd be missing out on all kinds of things every day. And so why should it feel different in this lifestyle? And so I think you always have to kind of remember these these things and reflect back on your expectations and what's realistic. Exactly. And at the end of the day, we, you know, experiences we've had in the five weeks we've been on the road, um, we have easily seen and done more, experienced more than we would have had we not been doing this lifestyle. Absolutely. And I think that's something that we need to remind ourselves of in some of these moments um, and something that we hope that, you know, other families who are maybe living full time or planning to live full time on the road um, can prepare themselves, you know, for this kind of transition as best as possible and be patient with yourself, especially in those first little while. And that's a wrap for this week's episode. So we're just on our way to Devil's Elbow Campground for one night and then after that on to Idaho. We've made it through the snow. It's transitioned back to rain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hopefully there'll be some sun in our future. I hope so. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.